Would you bring your Bibles this morning? Are you ready for the Word? Hallelujah. And I I said again, there's just something, every time I open this Bible, I love it, but every time I open it, I see the footprints of where I've walked with God over the years. There's footprints in here of my relationship with God and walking with Him, and it's something so powerful, and uh, so it's great. And then... Uh, it's just, it becomes such a treasure. How many have a Bible like this that you've had for a long time? Is that you ride in it? And my pastor used to be like this because some people, this was a really expensive Bible when they gave it to me uh, 29 years ago. And uh, I like, because actually genuine leather, I've had it 29 years and it's still holding together. So I don't even know if you can get genuine leather ones anymore. You get bonded leather and they fall apart. But anyway, this is, uh, it's a real treasure. But uh, every Bible I get and every book I get, I ride in. So I don't, if you get my library, whoever gets books out of my library one of these days, I'm sorry, they're all going to be scratched in and scribbled in and stuff. So you have to go someplace else to get a clean copy. Hallelujah. All mine are working copies. Amen. But my pastor used to say, hey, if your Bible's too sacred to write in, get one that you can. And then uh, start over. He, he used to encourage us to get a new Bible every year and go through it and mark it all up and then start over with a new one. But something happens when you just end the Word. So let's make our declaration this morning. Are you ready? Help me out there, David. Say this with me. This is my Bible. I live by its truth. I walk in its light. I rest in its promises. I am empowered by its love. And I overcome by the faith produced from receiving this seed sown into my heart. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you in these next few moments. By your spirit, you'll give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to to receive what you would speak to us. From your word, in Jesus' name. Everybody said. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, let me just give you a, a couple of quick reminders. As Sean said, use this as an invitation card. Invite somebody to church next week for our, our Christmas services and, and 9 and 11. And uh, people will come to church at this time of the year like no other time. Amen. Take advantage. Get all the CEOs you can in here. We want all the, the Christmas and Easter only people in church. Amen. So get those people in here next week, invite them. They will come and uh, believe God to do something great in their life. And then on Sunday the 23rd, we're having one service at 10 a.m. So we invite you to come. We're going to have an ugly, the youth are having their ugly sweater contest. We're going to have ours on Sunday the 23rd. Services at 10 o'clock and we'll give out prizes for the first, second, and third ugliest. Amen. I don't know what it's going to be like to third ugly, but that'll be awesome. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, look on the cover of your outline this morning. We've changed this, and we've been, this is our fourth week in just learning how to walk with God in the Spirit, discovering God's power revealed through spiritual gifts, and just speaking about the Holy of the Spirit. And this morning, I'm going to specifically talk to you for a few minutes about the baptism with the Holy Spirit, and uh, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> what that means and how that is available to all of us. And I put two new scriptures on the cover of your outline for this week. And one is Luke chapter 24 and verse 49 there. And it says, and behold, and behold, I will send forth upon you. Somebody say upon you. I will send forth upon you my father, what my father has promised. But remain in Jerusalem until. Somebody say until. So he says, it's coming upon you, but stay there until you are clothed with power. Somebody say clothed with power. 
so, so hear that, being clothed with power, Holy Spirit coming upon us, going to clothe us with power from on high. Jesus said to his disciples in Acts chapter 1, they were inquiring to him about the kingdom. Will you restore the kingdom at this time? He said, that's not for you to know. That belongs to the Father. He'll take care of that at his time. What you need to know is this, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Say, upon you. And the Holy Spirit is coming upon you, and you shall be, say shall be. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now I want you to understand <clears throat> the significance of what Jesus is saying. God has never asked us and never will, God never asked us to do anything for us out of our own strength and out of our own ability other than just to say yes and to yield our life to him. God doesn't ask us to produce the power. So many times we think about doing things for God and we say, I don't have that ability. I don't know that much. I can't do that. Whatever. We have all these disclaimers and excuses to not be able to be used by God. God says, I know what your weaknesses are. That's why I'm going to clothe you with my power. I'm going to put my gifts in you. My life is going to be into you. Everything you're going to do is going to be by me working in you and through you. Amen. And that's the greatest thing about the body of Christ and being a believer. This is the place of level ground for everybody. We are all on level ground. We're, we're removed from peer pressure. We're not here to compare one to another. Paul says when you compare one to another, we're carnal and we're, and we're foolish. Amen. In making comparisons. In the world, it's all, oh, they're so great. They're so talented. They're so this. They're so that. Blah, blah, blah. But if we're trying to act like that and be like that, we're operating in a spirit of emulation. And anytime you're trying to be like somebody else, the best you can be is a cheap second. You'll never be the original that God made you to be. And God created you with gifts and talents and ability. And then when he anoints you with this Holy Spirit, he uses those in such a way that he gets glory through your life. And so he works through our weaknesses and then he anoints us and he uses the weak thing and the base thing and the simple thing to confound the world. Look at that person. They're not educated. I love what they said about the apostles. They're examining them after Peter uh, ministered and healing to the lame man at the gate. Beautiful. And they said they took note of them that they were ignorant and unlearned men. That was my favorite verse going to Bible school. They were ignorant and unlearned men, but they had been with Jesus. Amen. And so God doesn't need us to be super intelligent. It's good. We want to study. You want to show yourself approved. But we need to know that God's given us the power of his Holy Spirit and his life in us and upon us and working through us so that he receives the glory. Can you say Amen. And so God never intended. So follow with me in your outline this morning. See, I'm thankful for the promise of the Father that he is still pouring out his spirit upon all flesh. Somebody say all flesh. You see, the comforter is still being given to all in every generation <clears throat> and will continue to be given until the end of this age. God is always pouring out his spirit and he's ready to anoint his people with his power. The problem is, is that we, that today that we have unlearned, or if you would, mislearned the working and ministry of the Holy Spirit in our personal lives and in the church. I I'm excited when we have prophetic words. I'm excited when we have the gifts of the Spirit in operation in our church because the church is supposed to be alive with the Spirit of God. And as I said earlier, when we first began, what happens is that many times people will, uh, you can't help people. People are going to miss it. People are going to get in the flesh, going to do that. But I would rather have a little flesh and the Holy Spirit than have nothing. Amen. So I'll put up with stuff. We can fix anything. It's not life or death. Are you doing all right? 
Amen. We'll make it work and we'll bring clarity and stuff. And so God will always keep us on track. Can you say amen? But we do away with things. We unlearn it. We move the Holy Spirit out. And just think about it. There's so much confusion. Think about the multiplicity of viewpoints in the church concerning the Holy Spirit. Just across this room this morning, we, we have various viewpoints concerning the Holy Spirit, depending upon your background, how you were raised, what you've been taught, and what you've developed. And most is based upon what you've been taught, not, not always about the Word. We hear a lot of teaching about a lot of different things in that. I'll give you one example. There are people that will teach you that since we have the Bible in print, we no longer need the revelation gifts of the Holy Spirit. That what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, when that which is perfect has come. And that's the verse they use speaking about the Bible, that this is the perfect revelation of God is what they say. And I said, so in the Greek, that's what it means. In the Greek, it means that when you really read and interpret the Greek, it means that when they invent the printing press and print a Bible, we won't need the Holy Ghost anymore. That's what that says in the Greek, right? So what you're telling me is that 1 Corinthians 13 is sandwiched in between 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14, and that what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12, and it's going to say in 1 Corinthians 14, has now been canceled by 1 Corinthians 13. Because many times we hear things, but if you ever think about it logically, nobody ever thinks logically about what's being said. Are you listening to me? And so we come up, and so we have all these different viewpoints about how the Holy Spirit works. Well, that's one reason they say those things have passed away. But God didn't say anything passed away. He said he said in the church. How many believe we're still the church? And so God has set his gifts and the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the church. That means we're the church, we're the body, and if they're in the church, they're supposed to be in us. Amen. Are you doing all right? So this lesson this morning is the most important truth, I believe, in the life of every Christian. For it is the key to us living out our salvation in all of its fullness. We were never meant to live for God out of our own natural strength or ability. That's why Jesus said in John 16, 7, he said, It is expedient for you. It is advantageous to you that I go away. Because if I don't go, he won't come. But if I go, then the Father will send the helper unto you. Amen. My friend Donnie Moore used to pray like this. Every time he got up to preach, he'd pray, Father, help in Jesus' name. Because you can't preach, you can't do anything for God without the help of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so learning to draw on the helper and live by God's help in our life. So we've talked about what it means to be born again. I've drawn pictures for you, the importance of water baptism. Last week we had those young people baptized in water. And then we've talked about being baptized into the body of Christ. And, and then also this morning we want to talk about being baptized in the Holy Spirit or filled with the Spirit. So hear me as we dive into this for just a few moments here. There's a distinction of life in Christ, and life in Christ is to be life in the Spirit. To be a Christian is to live by the Spirit. That's what it means. I'm born again. Being born again means I'm made alive unto God. Amen? And so look inside your outline with just a little introduction on kingdom operation. The baptism in, of, and with the Holy Spirit is the doorway to the gifts of the Spirit. It opens a door for us to flow in the gifts of the Spirit. Being born again is the fruit of the Spirit coming into it. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is the release of the gift of God flowing through it. To be filled with the Spirit is to be the normal Christian experience, not the abnormal exception. Amen. And I said in first service, we have over the years, people will call, they'll ask you what kind of church are you. Are you one of those faith churches? Yeah. Best option out there, I think. 
Are you a spirit-filled church? Yes, I think that's a good option as well. No, we are a doubt church with no spirit. And if you come, we'll just discourage you and send you home. Amen. With no help. Hallelujah. So, watch this. But, so when we get down to the life of Jesus, we think about Jesus being introduced to us. John the Baptist introduced Jesus as the one who was coming after him, who would baptize us. He would be a bap- Jesus was coming to be a baptizer in your life. Last week, Sean baptized those young people. He was the one doing the baptism. He was baptizing them in water. But John says that Jesus is coming, and he's going to baptize you, not in water, not in the body, but in the Holy Spirit. You are going to be immersed into, submerged into, covered with, anointed with the Holy Spirit. Amen? So Jesus is our baptizer. We said in John 6, 14 and 16, Jesus declared the comforter as his promise. Acts 2, 37 and 38, Peter declared that the promise has been made to all. He said it's to you, to your children, to your children's children, as many as afar off. Everybody look up here. You be the afar off ones. Amen. We are. We're down the road. We're the people that he was saying, those who are far off, as long as the Lord tarries, the Spirit is going to be being poured out. Amen? So think about that. And then in Romans 8, it tells us that we are no longer in the flesh, but in the Spirit. And that prophets of old long to see this salvation. What it meant for everybody. The prophets knew this day was coming. Joel said God's going to pour a spirit out upon all flesh. And they said, what's it going to look like when it's not just the priests, the kings, and the prophets, and the judges, and select few. But all of God's people will be anointed with his spirit. They wanted to see into that day. In Jude 19, verse 19, it says, We are no longer sensual without the Spirit. We're not just carnal people, but we're people of the Spirit. Could you say amen? And then in Acts chapter 6, when they were choosing people to be involved in service in the church, they wanted people who were full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. That was the great, that, that there would be an evidence that we were living lives full of the Spirit. Amen? And so there are essentially three baptisms that every believer needs in their life that are to be a part of their experience in coming to Christ. One is being baptized in the body of Christ, which happens the moment you accept Christ as your Savior and Lord, the Holy Spirit baptizes you into his body. We drew that up for you last week. We're showing that God's setting you in the body. And then secondly is that we are baptized in water. This happens subsequent to our salvation. It takes place after we accepted Christ and is administered by another believer. And so last week, these young people made a decision. They're already living for God and serving the Lord. They say, you know what? I just want to make my declaration that I'm buried with Christ and I'm being raised with him. I'm going to live in newness of life. Amen? And so, and so Sean ministered water baptism to them. But the third is the baptism with or in the Holy Spirit. This also happens subsequent to our salvation and is administered by Christ himself. He is our baptizer. Now when it comes to water baptism, those young people last week had to trust Sean to put them under and to bring them out. <laughs> so there, there's that element of trust in baptism that you yield yourself to the baptizer so that they can perform this duty in your life and you trust them 
in the process. Are you with me? When it comes to the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the same thing has to happen. You have to yield yourself to the baptizer who is Jesus and trust him in this operation. Are you listening to me? So important. People start freaking out. Now, they could have been, somebody could have got hurt, sucked in a lot of water. We may have had to call, you know, the paramedic if they'd have started resisting. I'm not going to start fighting and, and gasping and carrying on and doing all that. Are you with me? So, but many times when it comes to the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we just resist in this. We resist like this. Go ahead, just, just try and feel me. So we just tighten up and we resist and we clench it instead of yielding. Are you with me? So think about it. And I'm going to skip a little bit for time's sake. And I want you to drop down a little bit. See, when God created man, from the beginning, man was formed and fashioned by God to be filled with the Spirit. In the beginning, God formed you. And we've been putting God up here in the corner, though we know he's not in the corner. But because he's spirit without measure, we just symbolize God. So this is all of creation. The universe is up in there. But then God says, I'm going to create man. Think about that. I'm going to make man in my image. I'm going to create man in my image. And so how can a little stick guy be in the image of God? He can't be in the image of God. But God said, this is what I'll do. I will make man a vessel, if you would, that I can fill with my spirit. Okay? That I will put my life in him. And my life is eternal. So man was created. The Bible says in, in, in uh, Genesis 2, 7 that God breathed the breath of life into the nostril. We'll give this guy a nose this morning. But God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and he became a living soul. Okay? Having mind in that soul, he had his, his soul that possessed his mind, will, his emotions. Okay? Those are all in his soul, make up his soul. But he's alive by the Spirit. He's not living out of his soul, but by his Spirit. And his Spirit is directing his thoughts, it's directing his choices, and it's directing his emotions. Amen? And so God created man. That's man's original state. He was created and walking with God in the Spirit, living by the Spirit, hearing the voice of God. And then God would come down. His voice would come down. And speak to Adam, and Adam would walk with God in fellowship with God by his voice. But then what happened, Adams make a choice, and they fall. So man, over here, goes from being filled with the Spirit. And what God says, he says, in the day you eat thereof, you will surely die. So what happened says, the life of God went out of man. And man now is just a, a soul being. He's just all soul. His whole life is governed by his own mind, his own will, and his own emotions. All of your interaction with people, you're either being led by your spirit or you're just act, operating out of people. Well, how's that make, listen to our society say, how's that make you feel? What do you want to do? And, and uh, what do you think about that? Amen. And so we're all in there. And, and, and because of that, we have become the people of I. We are the great I in our life. 
I this, I that, I this, I that. And then he comes over to serving God. We still have that I complex. And then we say, I can't, I can't, I don't know how, I don't have the ability. And so we have, we diminish God's ability to work in our life because of the big I that contaminates us. Are you doing all right? And so with that, then God says, this is what's going to happen though. But what happened is sin brought about the loss of God's spirit in our life. And so what sin is that it produced death. And what happened with that is that the life of God goes out, but man is still alive over here. But Paul says you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Though alive, you're dead in your trespasses and sin. So here we are, we're trying to live for God, but he says we're dead in our trespasses and sin. So what God says, this is what I'll do, we're celebrating. He says, I will send my son to be a savior and I will take your sin and put your sin upon him and he will come and experience death for you so that once again, I can breathe my life into you And you can again have my life inside of you and you can again be alive with me. See, death with God, when the Bible says that people will spend their in an eternal place of eternal death. Eternal death doesn't mean you're always dying. Death to God is anything separated and removed from his presence. Anything outside of God's presence is dead. Are you with me? The prodigal son, the father said like this about his son. This is my son who was dead but is alive. Why? Because while he was gone away from the father, he was dead. Even though he was living out there, but he had an existence. But life to the father was life in the house. Life to God is life in him. So you're to be living in him, Paul said. We live and move and have our being. If any man be in Christ, we are alive in God. We are new. Are you with me? But God says, okay, so now I put my life in you, but I also remember I formed you to be filled. And so with that, God says, I'm not only asking you to live, and all this has to do with you being able to live out your life, and so you have all the fruit of the Spirit so that you get your soul under control. Amen. Carnal Christians are Christians who are born again, but never live out of their spirit. They're still living out of their soul. You're getting offended at everything. You're upset about it. You're all emotional. You're up and down like a roller coaster. Roller coasters are fun to ride and no fun to live on. Are you with me? And so, well, I'm this, I'm this, that upset me. I don't like this. I don't like that. I don't like this. Well, we don't like you when you're like that. Amen. And so, so I'm supposed to live by this, but this is all in my life. So this is me living my personal life. But then God said, that's not enough for you. I need you, as we said, to be my body in the earth. And I need to do my work to you. So this is what I'm going to do. Now that I have saved you and I live on the inside of you, I'm also going to pour my spirit out upon you. Okay? And you are going to be clothed with power. Okay? So look at the top of page three, or the second page inside your outline. The promise of the Holy Spirit. And behold, I will send forth upon you what my Father has promised, but remain in the city of Jerusalem until you are clothed with power from on high. How many know there's a difference from the Holy Spirit being in you Life in you and power upon you. 
two distinctions. So when, I'm, when we're born again, we have the life of God comes on the inside of us. And we know that that life is in there. If you've really given your life to Christ, this week, December 13th, will mark 40 years to the day I gave my life to the Lord. I knelt down in a prayer room. I said, God, I messed my life. I'm giving you my life. And, I, and that's a prayer I prayed. Nobody can pray that prayer for you. We can lead you in an introductory prayer of salvation. And that's all the sinner's prayer is. It introduces you to Jesus. But you have to pray the prayer where you give your life to Christ. And nobody can pray you giving your life away. And so we ask you to come, Nia, and you give your life to the Lord. And then you choose to live for him every day. And that's your act and your involvement is daily we choose to live for Christ. But God said, now that you're living for me, I want to use you. And so before I can use you, I'm going to make sure you're equipped with power to be used. Amen? And that's why he baptizes us with his power. That word there in duo, it literally means this. Look at that. It means to invest with clothing, literally a figure, to array, to clothe with, endue, or have, have put on. So it's the same way when Paul says in Galatians 3, now that we have put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says in Colossians 3 and Ephesians 4, to put on the new man. Think about it. In Ephesians he's 6, he also tells us to put on the armor of God. Amen? So the same way you would put on armor, and I like Ephesians 6, that you put on the armor of God, it's all outward and it's for warfare against the enemy. And so you have an anointing. This is the anointing on your life. And what this does is this anointing releases in this life and in the Holy Spirit, he also has gifts that are in here. And as we're studying about the gifts of the Spirit, so this anointing releases these gifts now to flow through your life. And God said, the manif now the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. But what happens with the baptism of the Holy Spirit is we come to this place and people say, how do I know when I'm clothed? How will I know when I've been clothed with power? Because there are a lot of people that say that when you get saved, that once you get saved and you're born again, so this guy's now been born again. I got my I before my A, but you know what I mean. So he's been born again. He has new life on the inside of him. Amen? But the new life in us doesn't produce the power upon us. He said there's something else. Go with me, if you would, in your Bibles to Acts chapter 9. I'm going to read it to you out of the Amplified Bible. The Apostle Paul gets saved on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9. He's blinded. He's sent to go into the city of Damascus. He's there praying. And then the Lord appears to a man named Ananias. He says, Ananias, I want you to go down into a street called Straight, and you're going to go into the house. And there's a man there, and they saw, and he's praying. And he's seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming to pray for him so he can receive his sight. So Ananias shows up at the house. In Acts chapter 9, verse 17, it says this. So Ananias, I'm reading to you from the Amplified. So Ananias left and went into the house. And when he laid his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you along the way by which you came has sent me here that you might recover your sight. And, somebody say and. and. 
and be filled with the Spirit. So Paul has had an encounter with God. He's been knocked off his donkey. He's confessed Jesus Christ as his Lord, and he's now praying and waiting for God. But Ananias says, God has sent me to pray for you that his anointing would come upon you for you to be baptized to receive the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go back to the previous chapter in Acts chapter 8. And beginning in verse 14, I'm going to read you out of the Message Bible. It says, when the apostles in Jerusalem received the report that Samaria had accepted the message, they sent Peter and John down to pray for them to receive the Holy Spirit. Up to this point, they had only been baptized in the name of the Master Jesus. The Holy Spirit hadn't yet fallen upon, somebody say upon, so the Holy Spirit, so they've been born again, they've received new life, breathed in them, they accepted Christ, they're born again, they have new life. But as of yet, the King James says, as of yet, the Holy Spirit had not come upon or fallen upon any of them. <clears throat> so Peter and John go down to declare the Holy Spirit to them, the promise to them, and they begin to lay hands on them. And the apostles laid their hands on them, and they did receive the Holy Spirit. Now, in Acts chapter 8, I don't have time this morning, we're, we're going to go into this when we come back. We have next Sunday, and then the following Sunday are two Christmas services, and then we'll get back into this. And we'll, we'll deal with everything concerning praying in tongues, why tongues is important, why praying in the Spirit is important. But what happens here, when they pray for them in Samaria, how many remember Simon the sorcerer is there? He's watching Peter and John lay hands on these people, and they're receiving... The Holy Spirit. And they're not just going, you got it, you got it, you got it. Something is happening. Because this guy is a sorcerer. If you go back to the beginning, he had done lying signs and wonders. And the people had been calling him the power of God before Philip showed up. But Philip began doing miracles that this guy couldn't duplicate. Philip, by the Spirit, people are being saved, healed, delivered, and set free. And you can do magic tricks, but you can't do that stuff. And so Simon, when he sees people that by the laying on of the hands of the apostles, it says, you can read further, when he sees that by the laying on the hands of the apostles, the Holy Spirit was given, he tried to offer them money so that he would be able to do the same thing. So there had to be a manifestation, get this, that was greater than any trick he had ever performed. Amen? And so something outwardly was taking place. And when you read through the book of Acts, you find that every time the Holy Spirit fell, that there was an outward expression or a manifestation on the day of Pentecost. Amen. At Cornelius' house. And, and Paul references here later. He says, I thank my God I speak in tongues more than y'all, being a good southern boy from southern Israel. Amen. And so deal with that. So he said, but where did he begin to pray or to speak with other tongues? Because there's an area that we'll deal with here because there's a difference between prayer, and we'll get into this. There's a difference between prayer and gifts. Okay? And these are distinctive. So if I draw a line in our life, you have a prayer life and you have a gift life or you have a work life. And over here in the gifts of the Spirit, these gifts are always horizontal. Okay? To men. God gives you gifts 
two men. Prayer is always vertical to God. And so when you're praying in the Spirit, you're speaking to God. When you're praying in other tongues and you're worshiping God in the Spirit, you're speaking to God. So in a church service, just like we were having, I'm over here, predominantly, I worship in the Spirit. In service, I do more praying in tongue and worshiping God in the Spirit than I do in English. I'll let you guys sing in English. I'll pray in the Holy Ghost. Amen. So, but what Paul says, I thank God I pray in tongues more than all of you. Because something happens when you pray in the, in the Spirit. Paul said to Timothy, Timothy, there's a gift on the inside of you by the laying on of my hand. Stir it up. So how do you stir up a gift? You begin to pray in the Spirit. You begin to pray in the Spirit. Say, God, at any moment, at any time, your mouth is a faucet. Your mouth is just a faucet. And the Holy Ghost is a river of living water on the inside of you. And you can open the faucet and have a dribble. Or you can open the faucet, Jesus said, and have a river. Because he said in John 7, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Now see, me being an ex-drug addict, I'm into anything that gets you high. I'm into all, I'll do anything. So when I started finding out in, in the scripture, there are things available, I want to try it all. I'm in for everything. Are you with me? And when I found out that the Holy Spirit has a voice, are you with me? The Holy Spirit has a voice. And when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, His voice is released through your life. It's released in prayer to God, and it's released in inspiration to the body. Are you with me? That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 6, he says, if I come to you speaking, when you read about the gifts of the Spirit, we'll get into this, but he says, if I come to you speaking, then it must be by revelation, it must be by teaching, it must be by prophecy, it must be by something you understand. But he says, if I am speaking in the, in the Spirit, that, that if anybody praying or speaking in the Spirit, he doesn't speak to men in the Spirit, he's speaking to God. In the Spirit, he's speaking the mysteries of God. Amen? And so, in the Spirit, I can be worshiping God and praising God in the Spirit. And the Bible says, he that prays or speaks in an unknown tongue edifies and builds up himself. How many have ever felt yourself needing some strength? God says, I'll give you a way to build yourself up. Jude chapter 1 verse 20 says this, my brother... Keep yourself in the love of God, praying in the Holy Ghost, building up your most holy faith. So when you pray in the Spirit, you're building up your most holy faith. Man, I'm struggling. What do I do? Man, I can just get down at any moment. I can just start praying in the Spirit. And people say, well, don't you have to kind of start shaking? Don't you have to feel it? Doesn't there just have to be the perfect mood? I mean, no. Just go stand over your faucet. I'm believing for water today i know there's water behind this faucet lord i'm waiting for a sign that you want me to open the valve and i know oh and there's cold and there's hot we would call somebody to help you out because we'd know you lost all your marbles amen but we do this in the spirit. God, 
I know you're in there. I know you want out. Just break out. Take over. Make it happen. No, he doesn't work that way. Demons work that way. Demonic spirits are controlling spirit. The Holy Spirit is not a controlling spirit. The Holy Spirit will never make you do anything. God says, here's my promise. If you want it, you can have it. You can operate in it. But it says, they all, bega- they, they, they all began to speak as the Spirit gave them utterance. So when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes up here, and he gets about right here in your throat. And you go, <laughs> if that comes out, is that God or is that me? And so you go from Spirit to your head. And you start wrestling everything in your head. And I'm not trying to be silly, but it, we, we go there. Are you listening to me? And so, and so th- then we go, no, 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 no. And, and, and then we get spiritual. Well, I don't want it just to be me. And so what we do is we push the Holy Spirit back down. We just close the valve. Amen. Demons control. The Gospels give us all the accounts of Jesus having conversations with spirits in people. Demonic spirits in people using their voice to talk to other people. Legion. Jesus says, what's your name? My name is Legion. The guy's just standing there and a spirit in him is using his voice to speak. My name is Legion, for we are many. And hey, why have you come to torment it? I mean, there's a whole conversation. Have you come to torment it before our time? Who are you? And so um, there's more than just what was recorded in this conversation. Amen? Amen. And so then they said, well, if you're going to cast us out, don't send us into the abyss. Send us into those pigs over there. So they negotiate their exodus. Amen? And so the Lord said, okay, go. But there's a con- so. But this guy has no choice in the conversation because he's being controlled by a demonic spirit that is a controlling spirit. Because you read it, the spirit would take him and thrash him, and, and, and they tried to bind him. Spirits control you. The Holy Spirit is not a controlling spirit. That's why you yield yourself and you allow Him to work through you. Are you doing all right? And so with that, and so God comes and we release his voice through our life. And so the Lord said, well, how am I know I'm going to be clothed? He said, this is what's going to happen. He says, I'm going to clothe you with power. And so I just ripped my mic off because it's clipped to the back of my thing. Hallelujah. I'll be back in just a minute. All right. Come here, son. You're clothed with power. You got it. You're going to be clothed with power. No, stay right here. (laughs) So now he's clothed with power. I'm going to clothe you with my power. So how am I going to know when I'm clothed? See, the reference of clothing means that if if you're going to be clothed with something, it represents something's going to come upon you. There's going to be a sign. There's going to be evidence that it has arrived, that you have received it. So when the clothing comes, when the anointing comes, it comes upon him, and it's evident because he's clothed with it. 
And so with the, the baptism with the Holy Spirit, when we begin to speak in other tongues, in every place you read it, it says of Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 10, Samuel said to Saul, said, Saul, you're going to go out and you're going to meet the prophets on the way up the hill and the Spirit of God is going to come upon you and you're going to be changed into another man and you're going to prophesy with the prophets. Amen? And then it says in, in, in Exodus chapter 11, you can read it toward 24 there and 25, God said to Samuel, I mean to Moses, he said, Moses, you've been carrying this anointing by yourself, but I'm going to take of the spirit that I placed upon you, and I'm going to take that same spirit, and I'm going to put it on the 70 elders also. And so the elders come out, and God takes of the spirit, and he places it on the 70 elders, and they all begin to, the spirit of God comes upon them, and they all begin to prophesy. And so even in the Old testament when the holy spirit would come upon them they they would begin to speak the prophet you can read it and the spirit of the lord came upon me and they begin to speak and declare because god comes upon us to release his anointing and his purpose through our life others like the judges and samson and them they came and an anointing came on them and the anointing not only brought a voice but it brought an equipping of gifts and power for delivering, and that anointing worked through them for the benefit of other people. Samson wasn't anointed in his own strength. When you get screwed up in the anointing, then you start thinking you can play with it like he did with Delilah. Amen. But most of them ran and they used that anointing in that place until he finally reverted and come back and walked in the truth with God. But what happens is, is that every, even in the Old Testament, you'll find when the Holy Spirit came upon people, there was always an outward manifestation. You have to get over, thank you, son. You have to get over into the New Testament and into, new, into walking with God and get into the church age and give up on the Holy Spirit. Because what we've done, look down at the bottom of the second page there. The promise of the Father is to us is that he would pour out his Spirit upon all flesh. We've all been given the promise of the Holy Spirit. We have a promise from God to be clothed with power, divine ability, and endowment with power on high. This is the most important aspect of our Christian life. New life comes with power. Are you listening to me? New life to be born again means to have a life of power. Not just to have to do it on our own and figure it out in our own soul, but this life and this power of God is available to us. Can you say amen? So watch it. But something happens, though, when we just read the scriptures and let them speak. Many over the years have dismissed the promises of God because they have never seen them fulfilled in their lives or in the lives of another. But the truth of God's word is not based on what we have seen. It's based on the fact of his, that it is his word. His word is true whether we ever see any of it come to pass or not. Amen? Let me close with this. What happens over time is that people begin to define and explain the word by their experience, not simply by its own truth. Amen. People say, well, we haven't seen it in our day, so it must not be for us any longer. We begin then to build reinforcing arguments to support our unbelief, which is exactly what it is, unbelief. We don't believe it's for today. But then something happens. Someone comes along who has an encounter with a Bible experience. Now what are we going to do? I guess we'll have to call it unscriptural because your experience now contradicts my unbelief. And all of my great arguments to support my unbelief are now in question. In 1983, the Lord sent us to pastor a Baptist church in Bieber. Can you see me being the pastor of a Baptist church? 
But God sends me to pastor this church. And I tell them, I'm not what you are, and I'm not here to make you what I am. I'm just here to preach the word of God to you. If you want to do that, that's what we'll do. We'll just preach the word. Amen? And they said, okay. And so we just began preaching the word. And I had people in church, that uh, one young lady was raised her whole life being told that tongues is of the devil. Amen. Other people, we had other, young, uh, our secretary who was there at that time when I got to church, she was Christian scientist. And she wasn't even a member of the church, and she was a church secretary. This is awesome. This is an awesome time. Amen. And her husband was missionary Baptist. Missionary Baptists don't believe in anything except what they believe. Amen. And if, if you go to their church and get saved, you've got to get rebaptized because whatever you were before you got there, it didn't count. You've got to get it all here. Amen. And so here they are going through, and, and I get to be their pastor. So we just open the Bible and begin studying. And God begins showing up. And see, the problem is, is that we've had great people speak into our lives. And the problem is that we trust people to tell us what we're supposed to know instead of wanting to know for yourself. And I was going to say it at the beginning, I didn't say it. I, I, I've tried to reduce the amount of what I say to study less, prepare less, and it just doesn't happen. I'm not wired that way. So maybe one of these days I'll get too old to stand up here this long. But my goal is not to give you a sermonette. This is supposed to be a university for life. Church is the university of life. My goal is to get you to graduate with a PhD. That PhD stands for past having doubts. I need to get you a place where you are past having doubts about the word of God, God's purpose, his will in your life. You should not be a believer in the body of Christ and have a doubt whether God would use you. You should not have disclaimers to being used by God. Well, I can't. I can't do that. I could never win a soul to Christ. I don't know enough scripture. The Bible says that if you've read your Bible ever once at all, Jesus said the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will bring everything I said to you to your remembrance. Say, Holy Spirit. People say, well, I just can't remember anything anymore. Good. You're not going to use your memory. You're going to use his. I got a counter for every excuse you have. Because God said it's not going to be by your power, it's going to be by his. Can you say amen? In fact, when, when we started pastoring there in Bieber, Pastor Doug went in 1983, he went to Raymond Bible Training Center, and Brother Hagin's teaching on the word of faith, and he comes back after one year, he calls me up, he said, Don, we're on break, we've been back at Raymond. Dude, there's stuff they didn't tell us. I found out we can use our faith. We have the authority of the believer. We can walk in all this. And I said, well, come on. We'll just have revival. So I'd been teaching on the Holy Spirit for a year. First year, from 1983 to 1984. So he comes back summer of 84. I said, we'll have a revival. These people have never seen anything like this. Let's have a revival. You get Doug and I together, you have double compound crazy, okay? And so we're together. And, then, and so he comes in, and he starts preaching. I've already laid the foundation for this. The next thing you know, he's giving an altar call. We got people falling out of the power. I got Baptist. I said, man, you guys got to help us, man. We got people falling down. We don't want anybody to get hurt. You guys need to be happy. And they're back there like, yeah. freaking out it was awesome because God says I will confirm my word with signs following and God showed up we had a little one boy a deaf in his ear. God opened deaf ears he healed people a logger big old giant logger guy came in he messed up his back God healed him laid him out on the floor he went back to work the next day God is a God of miracles all he needs you to do is be like me what does that mean? Get out of yourself. This is where we are. Well, you know, I might look foolish if I did like that. I have a lot of dignity. I have a reputation. I have to walk in my dignity. 
What are people going to think? What if somebody hears me praying in tongues? They'll think I'm one of them. <laughs> who, who cares? See, you, you need to be delivered from people. And what people think. And, and just say yes. I was so excited. And first service, we had a lady come up at first service. I'm tired of this. I've been struggling. I've been shoving this down. I want it all. I said, glory to God. Yes. It's what we want. Amen. So what happened? I need the worship team to come back. Oh, Jesus, help me. Look at the last page of your outline. Very back. I want you to hear this. What's the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Why is it so important in your life? As they're getting ready, I just want to see this. In the middle it says, think about it. Think about it. The apostles received it. They made sure Samaria received it. Ananias was sent to make sure Paul received it. Peter declared the repentant would receive it. Jesus gave it to the Gentiles at Cornelius' house exactly the same way he did to the disciples so that Peter would know that he had received them. Paul made sure that the disciples for, from Ephesus had received it. The power of the Holy Spirit is God's promise to all. It's declared in the Gospels. It's fulfilled in the book of Acts. It's brought into order in 1 Corinthians. And it's to be sought for, desired, and never quenched. We are to hunger for him, to desire to be filled by him, to walk with him, to be led by him, be taught by him pray with him and through him to commune and have fellowship with him stand with me this morning maybe you're here this morning and first and foremost maybe you prayed a sinner's prayer Jesus I believe you're the son of God I believe he died for me he took my sins upon the cross I believe he rose the third day I believe you love you, save me. I, I believe in you. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. Amen. Maybe you prayed that prayer with somebody leading you in that prayer. It wasn't coming from you. You were repeating what somebody else said. But you've never come to an altar and knelt down out of your own will, your own volition, your own choice. And say, God, I'm here today with no help, nobody else leading me, just myself to give you my life. I'm choosing today to make you Lord of my life. I'm going to live for you and serve you the rest of my life. From every day on, I'm going to be your servant. Your will is now my will. I want your life in my life. I choose to live for you the rest of my life. Nobody can pray that prayer for you or lead you in that prayer. You have to make that prayer. Maybe you're here today and you need to pray that prayer. And let me just share this with you real quick. When I went to Bieber, I was challenged because I was asked to pastor people who didn't believe the way I believe and I was raised to believe another way and I have Bible experience. But I had to ask myself, God, am, am I just regurgitating and repeating what I've allowed people to speak in my life or have I really studied your word to find out that what I believe is really in your word and it's the truth? Am I a parrot or am I a voice? Am I just parroting what I've heard or am I a voice to declare your truth? And so I had to go back and study the scriptures and search the scriptures to be a voice. And God wants you to be a voice. And so I'm trying to teach you in a way that will stir a hunger in you that will cause you to be a voice. But maybe you're here today and first of all, maybe you've sought the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but you're that person that's just 
kind of like praying over the faucet there. You're waiting for God to move you and make you to do something. But you've never just allowed the Holy Spirit. You've never just opened the faucet and let the Holy Spirit flow through your life.